This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to week seven of Fantasy Football. We've made it this far, so have a long way to go. This is your favorite show of the week, our flagship show. Stats versus film, where we take everything that happened from the previous weekend of football, all the tape that your heart could desire, and blend that with this nerd, this geek, all of the charts, all of the spreadsheets, and all the stats with the hope of finding the answer somewhere in between. Hayden, this week, the Panthers, the Texans, the Titans, the Jets, the Cowboys, the Bengals are on a bye. No big deal. Yeah. Uh, and also half of the league's quarterbacks are injured. So I'm in a super flex league and man, like if you have Desmond Ritter, like you're pumping your fist, that's how bad it is. <laughs> okay. Before we do anything and go team by team while starting with the top 10 headlines of the week and going alphabetical order after that, I want to do something a bit different today. Uh, Hayden put out this tweet. I had a similar idea, a little bit of a fantasy football state of the union at the top. And just to give you an idea, because we love your comments. We love knowing that you watch and subscribe to the channel, but we get certain comments of, Hey, why is X? Why is Calvin Ridley? Why is Devonte Smith? Why is Chris Olave not performing? So Hayden, talk us through this because while that player is on your roster, the same drafter who selected right next to you selected another player who's also frustrating the, the hell out of them too. Yeah. So this is the uh, consensus top five rounds on underdog fantasy promo code, the show, of course, a so top 60 overall players, and then I just quickly, based off of my own vibes, how well the players have been doing, how well they project to do for the rest of the season, kind of just put each player into a couple of different categories. The red are the players that are out for the year or somewhere close to that. Justin Jefferson, Nick Chubb, Mike Williams. Then you have the yellow players, which are kind of iffy. Then you have the green players, which are certified stars. Great pick at where you drafted them. And then the rest of them are kind of somewhere in between. And what... I noticed by doing this is like to me the whole second round has it's been rough. a stone cold disaster. Like Saquon yes. Barkley's been hurt, Tony Pollard hasn't been living up to expectations. Devontae Adams dealing with injuries. Garrett Wilson he got rug pulled. Chris Olave, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, Calvin Ridley all good players. They haven't lived up to expectations. Uh, same thing with Derrick Henry. He's probably not going to get there at all. Patrick Mahomes hasn't been the same type of player. So it's important to look at the context with this. Like ultimately you need to be dodging the injury bug. It'd be very helpful if you picked up uh, or you drafted David Montgomery. If you had Raheem Mostert, if you had Devon Achan, if you had Puka Nakua, those are the big difference makers early on. But moving forward, we're going into week seven here. The back half of the season's where all the money is. And I think that this is a good kind of way to look at things, realizing that, so many players are yeah. bust. Like yeah. half the first five rounds have been bust. And only a few, half a dozen to a dozen, are superstars on a weekly basis. Yes. Outside of that, they're going to fluctuate on a weekly basis. Especially the receivers. football. Yeah, yep. that is a roller coaster. Just to quickly reset here, this is the top 50 from towards the end of draft season from this year. Yep, this was the last uh, week on Underdog Fantasy and the top 60 overall players. Okay, and don't get too focused on the colors. Hayden quickly did this in MS Paint, okay? Yes. 
it's just a direction that opens up a conversation here. Like I would probably put Amon Ross St. Brown in green. I would put Brandon Ayuk in green because, you know, he was drafted as wide receiver 25. He's performing as like the wide receiver 15 in points per game this season. But even the latter will fluctuate on a weekly basis. So again, the player that you drafted in the second round or in the third round, if we're even, you know, putting in T Higgins and DK Metcalf among that conversation, they frustrate the hell out of you. But Mm -hmm. let me add Chris Olave, Calvin Ridley, Jalen Waddell. They're equally frustrating for that drafter on top of it. So uh, again, it sucks. It stinks. But welcome to fantasy football. This is what we do. Yeah, you chose the game. We didn't create it. (laughs) Okay, that was fun. Again, leave your comments. Let us know what you think about that. And uh, especially if you drafted, uh, let's say, 12 green players and you've dominated your league so far. Okay, here we go. Top 10 headlines. Kick it off this week with the Detroit Lions. So just as Dave Montgomery is one of those green players, he's now going to miss an extended period of time. Quote from Dan Campbell. He's probably going to be down for a little bit here. I don't know how long. I think there's a chance we won't have him for a little bit. And I think there's a chance that Jameer Gibbs has a much larger role. Hayden, we have seen that in the past when David Montgomery already missed a contest here. Jameer Gibbs was used more inside the tackles to limited success. Let's put it that way. But Dan Campbell did come out and say positive workouts. He's on the right track. And while the drop down from Dave Montgomery to Craig Reynolds is significant, at least we should see more volume and at least Jameer Gibbs back into the lineup. Yeah, that I'm hopefully that we'll get some at least full practice reports coming off of these hamstring injuries. Not necessarily my favorite, especially when you're dealing with a rookie who's been very hit and miss. Craig Reynolds doesn't really move the needle to to me much at all. So I do think it would be a, a large majority of it would be going to Jameer Gibbs and then Craig Reynolds kind of clean up. Uh, just looking at this uh, in week three. Jameer Gibbs had 15.3 expected half PPR points. That's when David Montgomery missed, and he had the backfield more or less to himself. Craig Reynolds in that game, 1.7 expected half PPR points. Now, Jameer Gibbs didn't do much with that, and that's going to be one of the things is how much could he actually scale up his workload in in a week that he's coming off of his bye or or off of an injury. But it seems like we're not going to get David Montgomery back till week 10, 11, that type of range. Okay, let's talk about who is performing for the Detroit Lions right now. Amon Ross St. Brown, 16.1, 11.2, 15.1, 14.1, then misses a week, then comes back here with 24.4 fantasy points, and that's all half-point PPR. Uh, I do want to say that this week's scheme with Colt McCoy focuses in on these Detroit Lions and what Ben Johnson is doing right now against some of the best defensive coordinators, a la Todd Bowles, is Really sweet stuff. Don't want to give it away, but you want to tune into that show. Uh, Hayden, you can talk about Alan Ra here. You can also talk about Jamison Williams in a little bit more of extended action, but not as much as the fan club would want. Yeah, I think Jamison Williams, they're going to use him appropriately. They're going to use multiple tight ends. I think they'll use multiple running backs, especially with Jameer Gibbs back in the lineup. So Jamison Williams, not full-time player, though they are going to send him on double moves down the sideline where he is capable of ripping off a long touchdown like we just saw here. Jameson's still not going to be somebody I want to get into my lineup. Josh Reynolds, though, he has taken a backseat a little bit more just when it comes to usage, still getting there with efficiency. Um, But really, it was Sam Laporta who stuck out to me, season high 13.6 expected fantasy points last week. They can scheme him up, but he doesn't even, honestly, he doesn't even need it. He's such a good player, too. So I think right now it will be through Sam Laporta and Amon Ross St. Brown especially with David Montgomery out, there's a chance that the Lions pass the ball 
just a little bit more without David Montgomery because I don't think they want to give Jameer Gibbs like 15 to 25 carries like up the middle like they've been doing with DeMont. 19% route participation for Jamison Williams this past game. Uh, I do want to read this quote from Jared Goff. It's continually getting better, and he's continually working hard on everything. When he does it right, it's hard to find someone that can do it better. It's just a matter of getting on the same page and feeling confidence with everything. He's working hard, and it's fun to get him involved like that to put some credibility to some of the work that he has done. I thought that Jameson Williams probably moved better in this game than he did at any point in this preseason. And actually, the play that Mm -hmm. stood out to me was the one when he was like trying to work back to the football. Yeah. Uh, Jared Goff let it go super early. And um, because there was pressure in his face and he just couldn't come down with the catch. But the way he like turned on a dime and again created about five yards of separation because of it, that stood out to me. I think this, no, it's not this one. Anyways. I don't know if we're ever going to see Jamison Williams eclipse Josh Reynolds on this depth chart. Heck, right now he says that you have to like Khalif Raymond and Marvin Jones. But overall, this is a real positive, I think, for the Lions because Ben Johnson understands how to utilize the strengths of his players. And he kind of, to me, has to go into the shot play type of territory. But that's still mm-hmm. a stash for maybe week 13 and beyond here. Yeah, if if something gets desperate, you can, I guess, start him. But like that long touchdown, it was nice to see him work back to that ball, make an adjustment mid-fly. And the guy can definitely fly when he gets going. And I'm with you. I I think he does look a little bit healthier now, but it's not just health with Jamison Williams. Like there's a reason why Jared Goff and Dan Campbell have said some encouraging notes, but usually first-round players don't need encouraging notes. This is also Jared Goff's best season when passing under pressure. 53.4% 53.4% completion percentage. It was 41.9 last year, wow. 52 in 2021. And from like 2020 to 2014 or whatever it was, it was around 45%. Mm-hmm. So he is elevating it. And I actually think like what 22 carries for 40 yards might give us a little bit of an indication of what this team might be without Dave Montgomery and how they, because I think it was like 16 passing first downs versus two rushing first downs this past weekend too. And Big it again shows you that what the Lions can do and how they can beat you Again, coming off a week where they might rush the ball 30 times on top of that, too. Let's continue on now with the Los Angeles Rams because there's more backfield injuries. Welcome to Fantasy Football. Filling in for Kyron Williams, who has been a juggernaut in the backfield so far this year. Hayden, who's it going to be? Well, that's a great question. They bring in Daryl Henderson, who has the most, like, experience experience in this offense, which I do think matters. But off the street, literally off the street literally off the street. Um, I'm not sure if he was expecting a phone call either. And then we have the rookie who fell way far in the draft because I don't think, I think there's other issues going on with his game. It's not necessarily an athletic issue. And I think that this offense is so reliant on just being in the right spot and playing on time. So I would not actually be surprised if it is Daryl Henderson. I think we'll follow Jordan Rodriguez. She's got the best pulse when it comes to this. Um, but I think that we we can see the Rams just say, screw it. We're just going to sit here and pass the ball all over the yard. We just need uh, Cooper Cup, who had another fantastic uh, game here. Um, and I, I guess Royce Freeman's also in the mix now. They activated him to the 53-man roster uh, immediately. So I don't think it's going to go straight to Zach Evans. Actually, I would be pretty surprised if Zach Evans was a full-time player. I think he would be part of a committee. And there's, a, I think, a chance at least that Daryl Henderson would get like quite a bit of run 
And the other part of this is Ronnie Rivers would have immediately been the backup running back and immediately taken this opportunity, but he is mm -hmm. out for something like three to five weeks, if not beyond that. So we have zero answers here. I mean, again, Zach Evans has been on the active roster the most of this group, but he was playing third fiddle to yes. Ronnie Rivers and Kyron Williams. This has been, at least to me, Hayden, I don't want to undersell the talent of Kyron Williams necessarily, there's a few directional points that we can point to of like, hey, he's not reeling off 15 plus yard runs. His rushing yards below expectation is about the worst in the NFL. Mm -hmm. um, what he is great at, though, is pass protection and in the passing game. And I don't know if I can point to Zach Evans with that at all. Like, I just no, don't have no. an answer to that at all. So if that is the case and the reason why Kyron Williams has been playing so much is because of trust and appreciation for a player. I don't know then if immediately this largest workload that we are going to surround Matthew Stafford with pass protection will then go to Zach Evans. Like, could it yeah. easily just go to Royce Freeman that they might trust more in that area or Daryl Henderson, who they might tr trust more in that area? Yeah, we have the same read. I, I, I don't think Zach Evans is ready for like that type of workload. OK, talk about it's wide receivers, because we got from Puka Nakua this past week. It was what? four plus receptions and an end zone target. That was just a beautiful dot from Matthew Stafford that should have been caught. And your preseason prediction, if we were going to continue it from, I don't know, week five and beyond and only count those weeks that uh Cooper cup might set the uh, league record for receptions here. He is going to go absolutely crazy. He's already the wide receiver two and yards per route run. And some of these <laughs> clips from this last game were awesome. Obviously he's going to do all the easy stuff, but there's, as a reminder, Cooper Cup is not a bad athlete. Like, if you're watching this film and think that Cooper Cup is just some mid-athlete, you're out of your mind. Like, they, he was smoking guys uh, yards after the catch, like on that one. And on go balls, I think it was this one right here. I mean, just smoking dudes. So, uh, shout out to Cooper Cup. Looks fully back to me. I think there's only a couple players you would even consider uh, Cooper Cup over the rest of the season. I think it's like Tyree Kill, Christian McCaffrey, and basically the list is pretty much over from there. Jamar Chase as well. Um, and then Puka Nakua. Uh, without Cooper Cup, he was averaging 16.2 expected half PPR points in the two games uh, since Cooper Cup's been back. That's down to 11.9, which is still wide receiver two worthy. He's currently the wide receiver 16 over the last month. But I think Cooper Cup just moves at a way different level than Puka Nakua. I think they trust Puka um, a ton and that he will still very much be in the mix. But this Cooper Cup, that I'm seeing on tape looks like we're back to a special fantasy asset again. You know, I've been trying to find how everyone on this team can, you know, continually be starting wide receivers for us. And I think easily Puka Nakua is going to probably go yes. between that 17 to seven point range, even if he didn't hit that this past week. But I'm looking at like how their target is distributed inside of the red zone so far this year. Guess who has the most targets on the Rams inside the 20-yard line this season? Please don't tell me it's Todd Higby. It is Kyron Williams at six. It is Kyron Williams at six. After him, it's Puka Nakua at four. Tutu Atwell at three. Tyler Higby with three. And then we get Cooper Cup at three. I mean, yeah. just, I mean, obviously the distribution is vast there, but Kyron Williams, the running back, doubling up 
the wide receivers beyond him when we get mm-hmm. the likes of like Devonta Adams, Garrett Wilson, Jake Ferguson, Jamar Chase in the double digits stands out to me. And I actually think that this team is going to throw more inside the red yes. zone into the 10 yard line because the history of Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay is they are one of the past happiest teams in the condensed field. So mm-hmm. that is another area I think we can get more points than we have so far and not just volume reception accumulators. I have it in the fantasy usage model for those that still read in 2023, but <laughs> Tutu and Tyler Higby, their on-off splits with Cooper Cup are really drastic. Not a surprise. San Francisco 49ers. More running back injuries. So we don't know as of this moment if Christian McCaffrey is going to miss week seven. They play on Monday night, I believe. They get an extra day. Matt Mayoko has said a whole bunch that it might be a pain tolerance thing at this point. Anyways, behind Christian McCaffrey right now, it is Jordan Mason who entered the ballgame ahead of Eli Mitchell, who was getting about 10 touches per game last year working with Christian McCaffrey. But Kyle Shanahan has spoken about why that might be, and namely that Jordan Mason was the one who was healthy and Eli Mitchell was coming off of a short week of practice and not healthy for most of the season so far. I think there's a a good chance that CMC is just suited up here. So I don't want to spend too much time on this. My main takeaway though, is I think Jordan Mason's a hell of a football player. That's if you look at his preseason stuff, if you look at last year's stuff, if you look at this year's stuff, this dude's averaging like four yards after contact on his runs. He like stylistically reminds me of Kareem hunt in ways like a really big, thick lower half fine enough in the receiving game but runs super hard. Uh, I think Elijah Mitchell has been on hot streaks in this offense, but he's been dealing with so many injuries. It's hard to like even guesstimate where he would be athletically, but Jordan Mason runs really hard. So I would not be surprised if this is like a, basically an even split. If Christian McCaffrey does miss, but I do think that you should not be just going crazy on the waiver wire, just because I think there's a decent chance that CMC is able to play through this kind of oblique rib injury. Now, I think we can look into a bit of the profiles of Jordan Mason and Eli Mitchell. Uh, Jordan Mason, even dating back to his college days, I think over the last four years, only had 24 receptions, has barely caught any passes mm-hmm. since entering the NFL. Obviously, none of these guys are going to fill in for Christian McCaffrey and what he does with option routes and angle routes and working beyond the line of scrimmage. But Eli Mitchell has a little bit more of that in his bag so far, but even though he's only been on the roster for exactly a year at this point, Christian McCaffrey and his workload with this team, I think it's kind of warped our brain a little bit of how Kyle Shanahan has sometimes gone with a singular back, but other times has also mixed it up with two backs as well. And you can look at his time with the Atlanta Falcons with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. And so I think if we do have one game to go off of here, and that might be the only one with backup running backs, I would lean more towards a 60-40-50-50 split than I would one guy dominating 80 to 90% of the workload. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I would not be surprised if this was a hot hand approach and we see who's actually ready to play. Just don't write off Jordan Mason. He's actually a good player. He is. He's actually good. Anything you want to say about these pass catchers? I mean, we saw what happened with Jordan George Kittle. You just pulled up the uh, tight end usage for a second, and we'll get into that in a moment with another team specifically, but they're like all the way at the bottom in terms of tight end usage. And uh, Debo Samuel is also dealing with, I believe, a ribs injury or something. Shoulder. Shoulder. Yeah, I mean, this this whole offense. Williams as well. Yeah, so that was going to be my note with George Kittle. Last week, George Kittle was not very involved. And I do think 
you have to look at Miles Garrett versus Trent Williams. Trent Williams is like dealing with a legit high ankle sprain. Absolute legend for going in there against a, a Hall of Famer and holding his own. But we have seen in the past George Kittle staying in the block, and that would not surprise me. The right tackles, whatever. And if Trent Williams is not the same, if George Kittle has to stay into block. But I always say it, when you remove one of these pass catchers and potentially two of them out of the lineup, it gets a whole lot easier to get really optimistic with IU, George Kittle, or Deba, whoever's uh, currently healthy. But right now, over the last month of the season, removing injuries, Brandon Ayuk's the wide receiver 19 on wide receiver 32 usage. And then George Kittle is the tight end 21 in usage, but he had that monster game. It's just there's not enough footballs to go around when all these guys are healthy. And Trent Williams, I hope he's actually healthy because he might be the most important player on the entire roster. Seattle Seahawks are up next. And while it wasn't a huge game production-wise for Jackson Smith and Jigba, just five targets, four receptions, 48 yards, Hayden, the more important point to me is the overarching usage. And that, I believe, is going to clear a pathway for Jackson Smith and Jigba, if this holds, to be a more important piece of this team. Because what we did see was previously the Seattle Seahawks being around 22nd or 24th in 11 personnel usage this past weekend against the Cincinnati Bengals out of a bye, I might add. They were 7th in 11 personnel with 70% of their offensive snaps. That allowed JSN to run a route on 81% of dropbacks. Again, the stats weren't huge, and we'll get into why in a moment, but that focuses in on what the idea and what the game plan was during this bye week, how we reset and how we move forward and incorporating Jackson Smith and Jigba to me was a priority here. Yeah, I I'm kind of caught in between that stance and where we were previously because he doesn't get like any first read targets at all. Like this is just from uh, we have Ryan Heath again down here is way in the bottom corner because they have Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. So you run into this problem. We're talking about a slot only receiver who's his his ADOT's increasing, but it's still been relatively shallow. So I, I think he still needs one of these guys to truly get out of the way, but at least he's like worth holding, especially yes. if the 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 personnel splits. Um, we do see that moving forward after the buy. Now, do I think that he is going to pay off as being the first or second Seahawks wide receiver selected of this trio? Probably not, but I guess this just takes me away from him being a Rondale Moore, Isaiah McKenzie, just from a profile standpoint, because he was never that as a talent. But again, his low A dot, low volume was kind of putting him in that direction. Um, This team can do a bunch of things. And we've talked about it with Shane Waldron, where they can win with multiple tight end sets. They can win with Jake Bobo, who played five red zone snaps in comparison to like, JSN's 11 red zone snaps here. I do want to turn your attention to this first play that basically Geno Smith just missed. This is a leak route, right? And if you get an open look and leak, you throw it and you hit it. And this is designed for JSN to score a touchdown. And as you can see, this is a massive pocket. And this would be a linebacker or a safety hauling ass to try to cover this area. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it's a Flash of a black jersey, Gino doesn't throw it, but this would be an easy walk-in touchdown. I think also part of the narrative is that he did target 
Jackson Smith and Jigba earlier in the game in the red zone, and it was double coverage and intercepted. And this was a turn down, I believe, in the fourth quarter. So mm-hmm. this is a hold. A lot of these rookie wide receivers, I think, are holds right now. And JSN, though, to me, might be second on that list before, uh, let's say, before we talk about another guy in a moment. Yeah, so it was 5.6 expected half PPR points coming out of the bye. So I think it's, it, like you said, it, it to me, it is just a hold. I, I have one other note on this wide receiver core. DK Metcalf has a career high 14.7 average depth of target. It's just kind of interesting to see how much he's being used downfield. He's been like fairly consistent, um, but he doesn't get peppered with targets. And I think a lot of that is because he is running a little bit more of the downfield routes, potentially because they have someone like JSN. And then a last note for me, no change for Zach Charbonnet coming out of the bye. Kenneth Walker comes in there season high, 21.2 expected half PPR points. So the Kenneth Walker stuff, he just played himself into a full-time role based off of his talent. One final DK Metcalf note, it was when he sorted by red zone team percentage. Uh, he led the NFL last year in that at above 40%. This year he's down at 28%, has seven red zone targets. That has equaled two red zone touchdowns. But again, a 13 percentage difference. It didn't hit on them last year, but again, that factors into whatever usage model you or other people want to use. Okay. Houston Texans time. And I have like a bruise on my face from getting a right haymaker from uh, Bobby Slowick in this running back usage. And it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So what we got in week six, Damian Pierce getting 100% of the backfield carries that dropped significantly down to a near 50, 50 split with Devin Singletary and Hayden despite us liking to kind of stack usage weeks on top of each other and thinking that we know what's going to happen. Now it sounds like through, through beat writers and press conferences, this backfield for the near future is going to be split 50, 50. Yeah, totally split. And it wasn't garbage time related. Devin Singletary was getting a ton of the usage in the first half as well. What it was interesting, Damian Pierce does get all three of the inside the five yard line touches, but that's basically the only positive that you can spin up here. It did seem like they were using the hot hand approach and Devin Singletary got slippery right here, um, found some space as well. I don't think Devin Singletary is a huge difference maker. Damien Pierce, for whatever reason, he hasn't been a huge difference maker on tape. He's been f- like finishing runs hard, but there's a lot of like maybe a little indecisiveness from him. My question to you was, does Damien Pierce have the skill set that you typically see in this Shanahan coaching tree? He's not like the one cut speed rusher, you know, he's like the other side of that equation. And maybe there's something to read in between with that. I also don't think Devin Singletary right. necessarily is that one cut speed rusher as well. So I think they're going to figure this out. Damian Pierce has not been the same player to me. And that's why I think Devin Singletary is getting a little bit of run right now. From Tamika Ryan's, our run game was better. It was that complimentary back and forth between Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary. Damian Pierce had some elite finishes, which which is true. There was one run from like the 12-yard line to the four-yard line. That was line. nasty. That, that was, was sick. And then there was also Hayden, what, three inside the five-yard line carries that he got that, again, he's being hit two or three yards behind the line of scrimmage. Um, Motor had some nice runs, going to continue to balance out both guys. This was an interesting tweet that I saw. And again, I'm... Not trying to make excuses here, just trying to find some answers because we rarely see a bat go 100% of the backfield work when they're playing well, then going to 50% while they're still playing well. Uh, from John Crumpler, Devin Singletary had 10 of his 12 attempts toward the outside runs. Damian Pierce had eight of his 13 attempts towards the inside. So I don't know, man. I 
This is one where, again, we hope it's a long season and our Damian Pierce shares pay off and they finally get some, you know, red zone and inside the 10 yard line rushing scores because they had trouble blocking that. But it's been like one bad thing after another. And what we know now and we have to treat it as such and project it as such, it's a split backfield. It is. Um, I want to see the Texans pass the ball more. I've seen enough from Stroud. There's no reason CJ Stroud offense should be dead last in neutral passer. I know that that's what this coaching tree wants to do. And CJ Stroud's been ripping play action shots, but honestly, they just have not been able to run the ball, period. And CJ Stroud's dicing them up. And that's why Nico Collins continues uh, to be doing very well this season. He's the wide receiver three in yards per out run for Nico Collins, which is absurd stuff. And like, if you look at like, uh, yards after the catch over expected. He's like top five in that category. And that category is usually filled with slot wide receiver types. Yeah. So he's been absolutely awesome this year. Tank Dell probably coming back from the concussion. Noah Brown is back uh, off of injured reserve. And then for some reason, here comes Dalton Schultz in our life. He's all the way up to the tight end eight in routes. He's the tight end seven in usage on the year. And then over the last month of the season, He's a tight end four on tight end six usage. So he's been kind of a little fun player for the best balls exposure. I'm not sure how fired up you should be to play him and redraft though. I mean, what we saw for years though, was he and Dak Prescott's connection over the middle of the field on kind of these choice routes or option routes. And now we're getting that more and more with CJ Stroud working the middle of the field for him too. Like it's, it's an important piece that, mm-hmm. you know, if, if Robert Woods isn't going to take that same step that obviously tank Dell and Nico Collins have, in this offense that I think it can support. And especially yeah. when we talk about the tight end conversation, someone that is noteworthy to us. Yeah. I mean, tank Dell has been a trick shot post route player, Nico Collins dig routes post as well. There is room for this type of player in this offense. If you are layering this thing, building it like a right. basketball team. Um, so yeah, Nico's good, good insane, by the way, like, I compared his just statistical profile last week to production this or yeah, last week to Jalen Waddles last season in that he was being targeted super far down the field and then also leading the league in uh, yards after the catch. And Nico Collins is doing that at six foot three and 220 pounds. Patience. Sometimes it works. Las Vegas Raiders are next. Speaking of tight ends, uh, we are searching for guys to start. And that we think are going to hit six targets a game. So with all that mind, Hayden, talk to me about Michael Mayer. We've added a fourth member to the chart for the Raiders. And it it has been Michael Mayer's last week's season high, 9.0 expected, half PPR points, 67% of the routes. Um, Interesting watching his tape. Got a couple in there for just chip routes and stuff as well. But I think it's a third play in this little cut up you also get the three by one isolation routes yes and a couple of downfield routes and that's what you would notice on tape at notre dame some fun stuff this offense could use a third guy i think he has the talent and the yards after the catch ability and the physicality and size to get there i like this little mesh concept out of that three by one set and look at some of the yards after the catch ability so i think that he's certainly on the radar he can totally bust next week and we go back to where we will where we are but if you are looking for tight ends and you're done with the Gerald Everett types and stuff, at least there's a path to Sam Laporta-ing uh, something out of Michael Mayer. And if we dig through the history of Josh McDaniels, he loves to invest in the tight end position. He loves to incorporate some type of tight end onto his team. And Michael Mayer, we talked about at the NC Reaction Show, is not this inline stone jaw mm-hmm. blocker who is just big and no, he was a featured pass catcher 
in Notre Dame. And as you said, he can move around the formation and win after the catch, even though if it can be a bit chaotic after that. And yes, this team has been funneled basically to two players and Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers. And so just having a third piece out there that his snap is snap shares improving each week too with Michael Mayer, yeah. 100% he should be ranked anywhere from what that tight end eight to tight end 14 stuff on yep. a weekly basis. Yep, and then moving forward with Devontae Adams in the last two games, 6.3 and 6.5 expected happy bear points playing through that injury as well. And Jacoby Myers once again pops up for some legit usage. He's the wide receiver 16 on wide receiver 15 usage over the last month of the season. So a real nice fit with those three guys. And then Jimmy G, we'll see if he's able to play with that kind of back midsection type of injury. It seemed like going to... Uh, getting into that ambulance was fairly precautionary. Cleveland Browns split backfield. Welcome to the NFL. Jerome Ford, Kareem Hunt. What we got in week six was Jerome Ford, 17 carries for 84 yards. Kareem Hunt, 12 carries for 47 yards and a score. Um, Also three receptions and 24 yards on top of that to go along with Jerome Ford's two receptions for seven yards. All that saying, Hayden, I think that there is a bit of exaggerated reaction from the fantasy community here where I'm seeing that this might be a, a downturn in Jerome Ford the rest of the way, I guess from my seat, I see it as a likely split backfield and that Kareem hunt, even with Nick Chubb last year, got 190 opportunities last season in somewhat of a split backfield. And when you don't have an elite talent like Nick Chubb, it's going to be an even closer 50, 50 split. Yeah, this this to me is trending towards close to 50-50. Cream yeah. started the game, got the touches early. Jerome Ford, I thought, closed out the game fairly well at the end, but this is not like the 80-20 kind of backfield that we were hoping for earlier in the season. Uh, Deshaun Watson, it seems like he's still week to week with that shoulder injury, um, but P.J. Walker certainly better than DTR anyways. So, yeah, I think the Browns are fine. We're just looking at like their usage as a team in this backfield it's mediocre. Like once you get rid of Nick Chubb, you're not going to be completely reliant on the ground game anymore. So it's just not the same copy pasting that uh, we wanted to do earlier in the year, um, especially if Amari Cooper is going to be making these sideline grabs that he's been doing. We'll keep it moving now with the Atlanta Falcons, because this is big news. Finally, something positive we can talk about uh, Hayden. When Desmond Ritter started games last year, they averaged 29 passing attempts. That was actually down to 24 passing attempts with Marcus Mariota. So far this year, We have 34 passing attempts per game with Desmond Ritter. They're 13th in pace. They're running 67 plays per game. That's eighth in the NFL. And in that environment, whether Desmond Ritter plays well or he doesn't, this finally gives us an opportunity for Drake London and Kyle Pitts to both hit at home. This is just hilarious to look at. The Falcons are number one in tight end usage by a mile. Five more points than even the chiefs over the last month of the season. Unfortunately, it's going to John Smith and Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is basically a wide receiver, actually a deep threat wide receiver and John Smith's running more of the traditional stuff, but Johnny Smith's been very consistent. Uh, in fact, he's been between 7.6 and 9.6 expected half year points in five straight. He's actually up to the tight end nine in usage over the last month. So I do think Johnny Smith deserves some love and love and fantasy, but Kyle Pitts, he has had at least 8.8 expected fantasy points in four of the last five games, he's the tight end three in usage. And at least Desmond Ritter's giving these guys a chance here. And their neutral pass rate is up a little bit. And that's aiding into all this stuff. 
three targets for Kyle Pitts inside of the 10-yard line so far this year. That is improvement. Can you pull up that chart real quick? Oh, yeah. That shows tight end usage because, I mean, as soon as I saw it, the one comment that I made was, if you showed this to underdog drafters back in August, they would think that Kyle Pitts transcended the position averaging 21 points per game. But no, it's split between two and heck even three sometimes with Michael Pruitt as well. Uh, But look, we've gotten 12 fantasy points in each of the last two weeks for Kyle Pitts. I still don't think he looks 90% out there, but it's totally fine. Like he and Drake London are these teams intermediate to downfield wide receivers. We saw, I I thought, more sharp cuts from Kyle Pitts in this game too. And it's still not going to be the easy stuff, but at least with Desmond Ritter, they feel comfortable targeting that intermediate and deep shots. It's not just these, you know, launch balls, 40 plus yards and hope and pray that one of the two comes down with it. Like we had with Marcus Mariota. Yep. Last five games, Drake London, 9.6 expected half people points or more. So Drake London's back to the wide receiver, 18 in usage. I uh, feel good about that. One player don't feel bad about, just given the state of the of fantasy football, but Bijan Robinson is now down to running back 20 in usage over the last month inside the five yard line touches. It's been six to Algier one to Bijan. Algier has not been the same player this year as he has been, as he was last year. He's running into boxes with eight defenders or more in on them on 40% of his runs, which is one of the highest in the league. Bijan's getting more of the creative stuff. So, um, Interesting stuff with Bijan because he looks good. This offense, in theory, should be able to really run the ball, but it has not been quite as potent, which is just interesting because I think that Bijan looks the part on tape, but the whole offense is just not rolling on the ground as it was in like the latter part of last season. Yeah, I I gave my thoughts and the instant reaction show on Sunday night on Bijan, and if this usage continues, it's basically impossible for him to hit that legendary running back status that you know Chris McCaffrey. Austin Eckler, Raheem Mostert's hitting right now. One of these Dolphins running backs are hitting on a weekly basis, right? Dave Montgomery yeah. can kind of hit it when he scores a bunch of touchdowns. Maybe Kenneth Walker can reach it. Anyways, um, we talked about it, man. Like if Tyler Algier collects certain aspects of his backfield and that limits Bijan from getting, you know, 325 touches, then we kind of have problems there. And also the run blocking just isn't as good as it was last year yeah. at this point too. Indianapolis Colts, bad news. Anthony Richardson likely out for the season. This is from the owner himself um, getting surgery on an AC joint, which I've been informed is different than Cam Newton's delayed surgery, which is to his labrum, I believe. Mm-hmm. Anyways, this sucks. And Hayden, it honestly changes the scope of what this Colts team could be and what the fantasy outcomes are probably going to be for all the pieces around Gardner Minshew right now. Just want to start with the the Anthony Richardson stuff on a per drop back slash carry basis. Anthony Richardson was tied for the most fantasy points with Josh Allen. So that was the trajectory we were getting from Anthony Richardson. That will be a reminder for next year when we are going to probably have to draft him and the third or fourth rounds in fantasy drafts, do not be surprised. You know what? I, I maybe, and I think the sickos like me and you will rank him like that because we mm-hmm. can go into really the three full games of action that we have when you kind of condense five down. Okay. And I'm totally with you. He, what we saw early on was mistakes that he made, um, a low A dot, 
but you also had sprinkled in just wow moments. Missiles. Missiles, plus the rushing on top of it. Now, he did leave three games early. Um, But I think... I think public drafters, your regular leagues out there are not going to value Anthony Richardson to the degree that me and you do because of stuff like this. Yeah. I mean, if Justin Fields is going round four, I I, I will be taking Correct. this guy who's much better than Fields I agree. round three or four. So, yeah. Um, moving forward, though, we had a absolutely wild game from the Colts last game. Minshew kept turning the ball over. But in that game, and this was a lot of kind of garbage time here. They did have a season-high 83% neutral pass rate, which is not going to say that they're going to sit there and beat the, the Bengals all of a sudden with Gardner Minshew, especially when you have the two running backs. But I do think that Shane Steichen is one of these court, of these uh, play callers that all of a sudden just going to let it rip with, with passes. And Gardner Minshew has been doing that for a long time. So I'm actually pretty intrigued by Michael Pittman, who's the wide receiver 25 in usage. I think there's a chance that we can PPR scam ourselves away with Josh Downs, who had that awesome uh, red zone touchdown in there as well. Um, so I, I think I'm pretty optimistic with Michael Pittman just because I think the Colts are going to have to maybe pass the ball a little bit right. more um, out of necessity. Well, they threw it 55 times this past game. Gardner Minshew yeah. threw three interceptions. That could have easily been like six or seven interceptions when you yes. watch. Could this turn into one of those teams? And I know they're three and three right now that you just like start the guys but don't watch the game. Because, or do you think that Minshew plus Steichen, this might be one of the worst performances that we see all season? The issue with that is, like, while Anthony Richardson was making mistakes, you could also would get wow plays from him, right? And he would learn in game and not make the same mistakes as we went along. I can't say the same thing for Gardner Minshew. Like, you're going to get some bottom of the barrel performances, but also a ton of passes on top of that to hopefully dig you out of the hole. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I've just seen Gardner Minshew garbage time scam receivers to right. good finishes. I think it's, it's like productive garbage time. Um, Does this lessen the ceiling of the Jonathan Taylor discussion that we had a couple weeks ago when I was so excited that he was going to be able to play right next to Anthony Richardson? What we saw was basically a 50-50 split with him and Zach Moss this past weekend, too. Yeah, I think I think they'll be fine. I think we learned so much about Shane Steichen and the pace that they're playing with. So as long as that holds, I do think that they have a chance to really uh, be strong here. The Colts, you can see them. They're top eight in running back usage as a team over the last month. It has been 50-50 this last week. I think now we're getting into the range where we can't be surprised if it's 70-30 going to Jonathan Taylor's direction. Though Zach Moss has just been playing so well. I'm not sure if they're going to completely remove him from the offense, but for the first time this year, I will be ranking Jonathan Taylor significantly ahead of Zach Moss um, going into week seven. I guess my big concern is a chunk of fantasy points comes from touchdowns. A chunk of touchdowns come from explosive plays. We're just not going to see as many explosive plays from this team anymore. Like Mm -hmm. that's frustrating. I mean, I know it's the reality we live in now, but it's just, uh, it's frustrating. Okay. Before we go any further, Hit that subscribe button. We are 42 minutes into the show. If you've made it this far, if you like what we talk about, hit that subscribe button. Uh, We have tons of rankings and film breakdowns every single week, plus instant reactions on Sunday night during the fourth quarter of Sunday night football. So join us for all those and be notified when those videos go live. Baltimore Ravens. Talk to me. We have running back splits. We have some wide receiver progression down the field, and we have uh, Mark Andrews still making his home as a top three tight end in the league. 
Yeah, I just want to give a quick shout out to Zay Flowers. At least nine expected fantasy points in, in five of the, the six games. We saw a weird rotation from the Ravens where they're basically like alternating drives and who's playing in two wide receiver sets versus three wide receiver sets. You can basically, I'll, I'll shorten it enough for everybody. Don't even pay attention to the other wide receivers. It's just <laughs> Zay who's not only getting the the check down gadgety stuff now. They're trying to incorporate incorporating him down in the intermediate and deep parts of the field has been fairly inconsistent, but Zay is now up to the wide receiver 17 in usage. My Mark Andrews note, um, 8.4 average depth of target uh, in career low, 1.7 yards per route run, probably too early to panic, but that is just something to monitor in a brand new offense. Still going to be top three uh, tight end for the rest of the season. And then last week, Gus bus season high, 14.3 expected fancy points, 62% of the snaps just didn't get home there. There's going to be a committee over there, but I just thought it was interesting. The wide receiver rotation, you just don't see it like based off of personnel and drives as much, but I think that's the state of the union talking about Odell Beckham and Rashad Bateman, where they're at in their, this point of the career. Okay. Question with six teams on a bye this week, would it be out of the question to start Nelson Aguilar over Odo Beckham or Rashad Bateman if you had to decide between one of the three? Um, or you complete the fifth. Well, I mean, they're let me just pull this up. Uh, they're the wide receiver 71, 75, and 86 in usage over the last month. So right. you can do whatever you want. Only one of them went to USC. Okay. Alphabetical order time. Uh, and we kick this one off with the Arizona Cardinals. And the running back room in the absence of a workhorse in James Conner uh, went to crap for all of you who spent mm-hmm. any fab or waiver priorities on them because Josh Dobbs ends up being the leading rusher in the team with 47 yards. Keontae Ingram goes out there for 10 for 40. Damien Williams checks in off the bench, 8 for 36. And then Imari DiMarcado, 2 for 11. Uh, Hayden, I think it's just pointless. Like, it's pointless to invest anything in any of these guys if your name is not James Conner. Yeah, uh, Imari DiMercado is just a change of pace guy. That's just what he is. And then Keontae and Damian won't separate from each other until that happens. Um, I'm not going to pay attention. Keontae, 8.4 expected fancy points. He's the number one guy to me. Uh, we also had a flipping in the tight end room yep. where Trey McBride, 48% of the routes. Uh, Zach Ertz got down to 52%. Uh, I think Ertz is still a trade candidate if they want to make that happen. And then Marquise Brown, it wasn't just my eyes deceiving me. This dude had so many air yards last week. It's crazy because he busted in fantasy, um, and I had him ranked high. He actually had a season high, almost 17 expected fantasy points, but he barely missed some deep passes. That's what you kind of signed up for with this Cardinals offense, but Marquise Brown's still the wide receiver 11, and if I had to call my shot on somebody that's getting traded, I do think Marquise Brown would make some sense just because he has no money beyond this year. Uh, it's about $1 million or less for a trading team to acquire him per game. Marquise Brown looks good to me. I'm not sure if Marquise Brown's a future with the Cardinals. So that'd be a kind of a name to kind of remember as we get closer to the trade deadline. I think he's in a contract year. Is that yep. right? Yep. Um, he and Kyler are obviously tight buds. So we'll see if that ship them off together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he did have 13 fancy points at least in four straight games. I will add though, Hayden, like, Josh Dobbs outperformed against the Giants, definitely outperformed against the Cowboys and the 49ers. The yep. last two weeks, he has gone back to a bit of what our expectations are against mm-hmm. the Bengals defense, against the Rams defense. And then the next three weeks for him, 
it's the Seahawks, it's the Ravens, and it's the Browns. So we might get these air yards. We might get these expected fantasy points for some of these guys. And to me, it's just unlikely to come into fruition if he continues on this downturn like he has for these past two contests and kind of reverts back to what we expected of Josh Dobbs. Yep, it's definitely going to be a roller coaster. I will say, though, for among the wide receiver threes that were out there in fantasy, he, he does right. look like a, a slight win, at least. Totally, totally with you. Buffalo Bills, more backfield shakeups. First of all, hope Damian Harris is going to be okay. Bad neck injury, obviously, carted off. Sounds like there is optimism around that. I'm sure we'll miss a bit of time. But in not even his absence, what we've just seen over the last few weeks is this early usage for Latavius Murray inside of the 20-yard line. Then we got Latavius Murray in pure passing situations. And now what we're getting is Latavius Murray seeing the most opportunities and volume and snaps basically out of this backfield. And is this just a holy trust thing, Hayden? Like they just love what they've seen from 33-year-old Latavius Murray. Yeah, you you keep tweeting out where he is on the record list about on touchdowns. Eighty second all, all time when we <laughs> look at rushing yards, and like fifty sixth all time when it comes to rushing touchdowns for the Tavis Murray in NFL history. Yeah, I'm just waiting for you to finally order that jersey and admit that he's your favorite player in the league. <laughs> I haven't seen somebody so obsessed with someone being eighty second in in the stat ever. Anyways, though, I've seen the comments in in the James Cook uh, for on our YouTube pages. He is just not big enough for the role at the goal line. That's why Latavius Murray had all three of the opportunities last week near the goal line. Um, yeah, it's just going to be like James Cook is like one of these guys where he can absolutely go nuts uh, ripping the ball between the 20s. They have a chance to use him in the receiving game, certainly. But now James Cook over the last month is down to the running back 23 on running back 29 usage. It's just been funny to watch the YouTube comments because they were yelling at me that I was too low and then I've been yelled at that he's too high in my rankings when I've just said he's going to be the running back 23, 20, right. right in that range, depending on the matchups. And it's hard to be small and really pay dividends. So that's just kind of the roller coaster that you're on. And even at his best, he was the running back 12 to running back 14 on a weekly basis because he just wasn't scoring touchdowns. Like we had that week one through week four of 8.3 to 18 fantasy points to 12.2 to 14.2, right? Mm -hmm. We can also see now that like that inside the 10 yard line touchdown that he had was just like a little favor. It was, Fluke, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, he was just the only one that didn't have a rushing touchdown so far on the team. And so here, here have this. I also though, if we can go back to preseason thoughts on this team, I would have thought that James cook would have been in there in almost all passing situations. And it's very clear that this team trusts the pass protection that Latavius Murray brings to the table and doesn't think that the drop-off in him in two-minute drill or whatever from a receiving standpoint is that steep when it comes to James Cook. Mm -hmm. And so he is, I think now James Cook lost that element. Like, there are going to be games, there's going to be a game here where James Cook reels off a huge run between the tens yep. and everything's right in the world. But in terms of high-value touches the big part of it to eclipse him into like an every week stud. I just don't see what the pathway is for that. And over the last month, the bills are now bottom 12 and running back fantasy usage at one point that was really high, but keep in mind when James cook was balling out, the bills were scoring what 35 points in those games, you know, like that's just like not a sustainable rate. So um, other news I had here, um, Dalton Kincaid missed last week. Dawson Knox pops up with 7.9 expected half PPR points. He's still just, uh, touchdown or bust though he's just not gonna 
move the needle himself. And then Steph Diggs, absolute monster this year. This like might be the best football he's been playing, which is crazy to say. Um, Gabe Davis, for the people ranking him in the running or wide receiver 40s, they get a win this week. We'll be back next week. We'll see uh, where Gabe Davis is ranked. <laughs> uh, I have a take. Okay. I think that the Bills, based on how defenses, and it wasn't this past week. This is just a general thought because obviously Don Kincaid was out. But how they've been playing their 11 and a half personnel and meeting it with either nickel or dime situations. My take is the Bills just should pivot on over to running three wide receiver sets and splitting that between Khalil Shakur, Trent Shurfield, Mm -hmm. and Deontay Hardy. And like Don Kincaid hasn't played fewer than 50% of snaps in a single game this season. Obviously, Deontay Hardy hasn't played a single game over 25%. um, But Hardy only has 15 fewer yards on the season, despite, again, playing 73 fewer passing down snaps. And if we look at their A dots, Kincaid is the one who's the trick player of that, the manufactured touch player of that, at 2.7 yards shorter A dot than what Deontay Hardy's is. And that's not even incorporating a Khalil Shakur or Trent Shurfield on top of it. I think they would just be a better three wide receiver set team with Dawson Knox out there than... I'm not trying to give up on the rookie tight end so far, but I just don't think that has hit the ultimate peak of what they could be doing right now. Yep. And then last thing we got him under Josh Allen. I believe he got x-rays or something after that game. Um, I think it was his throwing shoulder. So I think we'll learn uh, during the injury report. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have, and you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. Chicago Bears. Oh, boy. I mean, talk about, one, not watching, but two, you can't play. You can't play Justin Fields' peripheral pieces if Justin Fields doesn't play. (laughs) It's that simple. Yeah, Tyson Vagin, it's just, I'm rooting for him. He's actually really kind of fun to watch because he's like kind of the Taylor Heineke mold, but it's asking a lot the running back situation it was Deontay Foreman as the number one uh but Roshan Johnson could be back this week but it's just like a situation where like true truthfully doesn't matter like I haven't looked at what the projected team totals are for this next week but the Bears could be I would guess at 15 16 points this week it's just not going to be pretty so I guess the only debate we're going to have is DJ Moore so with DJ Moore you're battling now the quarterback play with like monster touchdown regression. Right. Uh, if you're looking at this chart right now, DJ Moore is absolutely balling out versus where his usage is. Thanks to a lot of these touchdowns. So it's just gonna be hard for him to kind of keep it up with Tyson Badgen as the quarterback. I will say their 
projected points this week, according to Vegas, will shock you, Chicago. What do you think it is? Is it 18? No, 17 and a quarter. Like, we've seen worse. P.J. Walker was much worse last sure. week, but that's facing the Raiders, which is much different than, obviously, the 49ers defense. So, I mean, basically, Justin Fields has been ruled out uh, with this dislocated thumb uh, yeah. for this week. So, it's it's I rough. I, I will tell you, an underdog employee um, got a call from Chicago Bears, and it wasn't me. So It was me. <laughs> uh, Cincinnati Bengals are up next. So, we talked about all those round two wide receivers. And if you look at the amount of explosive plays each team is putting out there offensively this year, the Cincinnati Bengals are the lowest on the list. So I guess a simple question, Hayden, can T Higgins be relevant for the people out there if it's going to be low a dot throwing from from Joe Burrow and so much of that funneled in the direction of Jamar Chase, then what piece of the pie does T Higgins get? I think coming out of the buy, I think T Higgins is a hell of a buy by low. Um, okay. He hasn't caught any of his 11 deep targets. We know that T Higgins is a baller. I think that the rib injury is not going to be a problem for him after the bye week. I think the calf injury, we've seen Joe Burrow manage it at this point and play through it. So I just think it's just, we're looking at positive regression. Now I wouldn't value T Higgins as around two, three borderline player, like he, where we were drafting him. But I can get behind T. Higgins in this Bengals offense, passing the ball like crazy in the back half um, in a pretty solid division. Just as a reminder, the Bengals over the last month of the season without T. Higgins are still the wide receiver two team in fantasy usage. So um, I like T. Higgins as a buy low, especially if somebody's completely panicking. They're, they're one in five, one in six, wherever it is after the next couple of weeks. Go send a trade offer for T. Higgins. I like that a lot because this is also to me, one of the teams that while we have six weeks of information on, you know, week one was much different than week three. And then week five was much different than week six for just how Joe Burrow was able to operate. He looked by far the healthiest he's looked all season long. And now we get a bye week on top of that. And it's not just the mobility and extended plays that Joe Burrow might bring to the table. It's also holding the football longer and it's also driving the football down the field. Yep. So hopefully, I mean, it would be shocking if it's not, but hopefully this is the worst section of the season that we've gotten so far for T Higgins. Is Joe Mixon the worst by low I mean, you've ever heard of? I mean, it's he's averaging. Your model must be screaming. <laughs> he's averaging five fewer points than what your the usage would expect. Five. Every week or what? Five per game. Wow. That is hard to do. That's nuts. I mean, the people who drafted Joe Mixon last week, um, or excuse me, last season kind of warned you about this, warned us about this. And then you don't really get to see it until uh, you draft him on your squad. It's like, oh, this is all out there. But again, I think part of it is how they set themselves up running near the goal line and how they then, you know, take the snap from the one yard line, then take it from the five because it's shotgun and then try to win from there. But mm -hmm. it is what it is. Carolina Panthers. Thomas Brown takes over as this team's play caller. It happened. And they now get a bye week to figure it out. Hayden, so much of the conversation is about the Shanahan coaching tree. We've also seen a little bit of the McVay coaching tree now with Shane Waldron and Zach mm -hmm. Taylor and so on and so forth. Thomas Brown has worked with Sean McVay in a little bit of the past. And hopefully this gives us same personnel pieces, 
but a bit more creativity and pace on top of that. What would you think like be like the biggest takeaways? Less uh, tight end screens? Would that be a, a start? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think some of the concepts that they are running are a bit prehistoric. Okay. And again, the statement I am going to make is look at what Adam Thielen has turned into this year as a top 10 wide receiver, regardless of what scoring system you use. And that is a receiver that everyone thought was washed. He's the only one that can get open on this team. And so if some concepts help DJ Chark or Jonathan Mingo to get open now, it's pretty clear that Bryce Young, most of the time, accurately and on time, can hit open wide receivers. And so just if there are more open wide receivers other than Adam Thielen, then this offense is going to take a step forward. They're not going to make the playoffs. I'm not saying they're going to win games, but man, we just want something good to latch onto mm-hmm. with it doesn't look miserable out there. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think there is definitely room for improvement. Hopefully the guard play can get a little bit better oh, with bro. injuries because it's been a total disaster. You did win that race on the the end zone angle uh, for that that uh, <laughs> Bryce Young touchdown. So shout out you. Yeah, Adam Thielen, he's a wide receiver two in usage or last month. Like, where am I supposed to rank him? Like, he's going to be, what, the wide receiver six in my rankings? Like, Well, and that's not going to change. When hard. Adam Thielen took his visit to the Panthers, he said the most impressive person he met was uh, Thomas Brown. <laughs> Thomas Brown said he got, he's got that dog in him today. I mean, Thomas Brown, Thomas Brown says that he has a dog in or no, well, has the dog. I'm sure he'd say that about himself too. Cause he's a former <laughs> NFL running back, but uh, that <laughs> Adam Thielen does like Thielen's the only guy that can get open right now. And so the, the paths are going to go in his direction. And when you talk about this backfield too, again, it's heading into a bye week uh, Chuba Hubbard's dealing with a whole bunch of injuries. Excuse me. Miles Sanders is dealing with a whole bunch of injuries. Chuba Hubbard stepped in there, uh, ran really well at the start of this game, but then obviously the entire running back, production kind of plateaued as the game went along after the first quarter. Yeah. Chuba without uh miles Sanders, 11.6 expected fancy points. I think that Chuba looks like totally fine to me on tape. Miles Sanders has really struggled this year. So I, I do think it's at least worth discussing how much of the workload is going to be uh, what, what the workload is going to be coming after the buy, especially with the new coaching staff. I don't know where Thomas Brown sits on the miles Sanders thing. I would guess it'd be pretty like he wants miles Sanders to be a thing. Yeah, and I don't know how much say like Deuce Staley is going to have in that because as we know with Detroit, Deuce Staley had a ton of say of who was yes. going to be on the field. Deuce Staley's the associate head coach on the Carolina Panthers too, so I'm not sure who gets to decide. And Deuce was the reason that Miles Sanders is in Carolina at this point too, so mm-hmm. I, I can't give you the answer to that. Dallas Cowboys. Brandon Cook's best game as a Cowboys wide receiver. It wasn't huge numbers. I mean, yeah, it was, I was gonna like, say, it was like four, on this? Four, four receptions for what, like 46 yards and a score. Yeah. I will add, there were guys in his hip pocket all game long. Like yes. he almost has to turn into a contested catch wide yeah. receiver now, but at least he popped up for something here. Yeah. And at least he's not Michael Gallup, who looks yeah. worse. He got on a couple people. Yeah, he dunked on a couple people like in week three or whatever it was. And I was like, oh, that's that's pretty nice. Since then, he just has not been able to get open at all. Um, very weird game on Monday Night Football. Tony Pollard, he's averaging 5.9 points under expected per game, which is even worse than Joe Mixon. I can't necessarily explain that one either. Tony Pollard obviously had that wild catch over the middle and where he got slingshotted down the field. Um, one just temperature check. CD Lamb expected fantasy points last year, 12.9 per game. 
this year, 9.8 is a down downgrade of three points. I guess something to monitor. CD Lamb still so good, but uh, yeah, I, I I'm with you. Brandon, it was nice to see Brandon Cooks catch that ball in the end zone, but he certainly had to earn that. Um, and Michael Gallup has had to earn all of his targets too. Yeah, and I think either because of the injury or because he's getting far more work, we're just not seeing those house calls from Tony Pollard, and it could be a combination of the two. But like that long catch on the extended play that we saw, it yeah. probably houses it like he did last year on those swing passes against the Minnesota Vikings. I agree. And that's, you know, the difference in eight extra fancy points for him last week. Denver Broncos, three-way committee at running back, five-way committee at wide receiver, um, and a quarterback once you go off script after the first 15 plays, um, things get super iffy. Anything you want to say about the Denver Broncos here? Corland said in the first three games, 11 fantasy points per game or expected fantasy points. The last three, 6.5. That's been a huge decrease. Also coincides with Jerry Judy being entered into the mix. Also throw in Greg Dulcich, everyone's favorite uh, dynasty guy. He Now we're going to have a rotation at tight end as well. Is there a fantasy starter on this team? Uh, in my brain... Uh, in my dreams, the fantasy land that I live in, Julio McLaughlin is like uh, the the one B of my running backs to Dave Montgomery. Yeah. I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping one of Cortlandson or Jerry Judy actually gets moved. Yeah, and that way the other one could be the clear number one. Until then, they're both going to be in the wide receiver 37 range in my rankings. Um, Cortlandson's just been getting there with touchdowns, so I think Corlin Sutton is a sell high. I've already been sending all my friends a bunch of uh, trade offers with Sutton in it. So hopefully they're not listening. Make sure you're subscribed to the show, though. <laughs> Green Bay Packers up next. Uh, they are coming out of their bye, just two teams last week. What do you want to see from them moving forward? Uh, I'd like to see Aaron Jones. Yes. Uh, healthy. That would be a start. Um, they look so different when Aaron Jones was out there in terms yeah. of just an explosive, reliable player out of the backfield, which, by the way, he is the veteran presence on this offense. Yeah, the only guy. Um, yeah, and then Luke Musgrave. Hopefully, he's ready to go after the bye two. I will say, when Christian Watson gets in there, he just makes it so much harder for Musgrave, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed to get there as well. Uh, Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed season lows with Watson coming back in usage. Um, Christian Watson in his two games, five point six. In 8.0 expected half PPR points. So it's not like he's all of a sudden a must start either. So this is similar to the Broncos situation where there's so much movement going on with everybody that I really can't trust any of them aside from Christian Watson as this downfield prayer yards type of guy that will rip off a couple long touchdowns. Yeah, just to reset, because again, a week is a very long time for us in this business. Um, this is what we saw from Christian Watson the last time he was on the field and basically the first full-time action we've seen from him so far. This season, um, it was deep shot after deep shot and incompletion after incompletion. Uh, last year, he scored seven touchdowns on 18 catches of 10-plus yards. And while... Aaron Rodgers did not have a great completion percentage, which, by the way, Jordan Love doesn't either right now on 20-plus yard throws. He did somehow luck box into 12 touchdowns of 20-plus yards last year, which was the second most across the league. And that's not luck boxing. That's because he has a freak of nature arm. Mm -hmm. And so if you – and he was completing, I think, like 35% of those. I just don't think that Jordan Love is going to be able to – 
find a pathway to 12 touchdowns of 20 plus yards this season. My models would agree. Um, this seems so young though. Like maybe the bye week comes at the perfect time, you know, because yeah. they are fun players. Mm-hmm. They are fun players. Um, just excited to see what happens for them the rest of the way. Okay. Jacksonville Jaguars. So sometimes press conferences and coach speak can help us a la look at the Detroit Lions and the investments that we made into Dave Montgomery. And sometimes Hayden off season coach speak can hurt us. And Travis Etienne, I think is the perfect example dating back to last year's NFL combine, hearing from Doug Peterson that he wants four running backs, hearing from press Taylor and him that, Tank Bigsby, this is the reason why we got short yardage stuff. And all that we have now is that Travis Etienne has become one of the biggest workhorses throughout the entire NFL. Yeah, he is now over the last month, the RB5 and RB9 usage. We had the goal line touchdown. We had a wildcat zone read touchdown as well, which was a lot of fun there. Um, Yeah, I think you're partially right that Coach Speak might have got the best of us here. But honestly, Tank Bigsby just been so awful right. that they're just not using him. If Tank Bigsby was good, I think that like this easily could be a split. But Travis Etienne, he's been breaking a lot of tackles recently. So uh, credit to him. Uh, they're using him in fun ways that make him look really good. Um, yeah, I think it's just an interesting thing. I think if Tank, Tank Bigsby was good, then he would be playing. He just has not been good or reliable yet. Fun matchup for the Jaguars. I believe it's on Thursday night football with Trevor Lawrence saying that he's okay to play and hopes to play on Thursday night with a brace on his left knee. I believe it Mm -hmm. was, uh, it's a New Orleans saints. And we've seen that this saints defense and it's on the road, uh, can be tough to move off of the ball. Anything you want to say about the, uh, Calvin Ridley status before we move on? Because people get upset. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I, I know what they're talking about. He is not a wide receiver one. I think that he's going to be an inconsistent wide receiver two that everybody on each side of the aisle will be able to say, Hey, this week he had a hundred yards and a touchdown. Then this next week he only had uh three catches. So he's way down in the usage model um, over the last month, wide receiver 42. That doesn't include that week one game where he went completely off. Uh, and Christian Kirk has been ahead of him. In usage, Christian Kirk has been benefiting with Zay Jones on the injury report. Getting into still not practicing, still not practicing. That's a big deal for him. It's night. It's a way easier to make the math work when you remove one of them. We're going to play this game with Calvin Ridley. He's a deep threat. He's like the clear deep threat on the team. So you're going to get some really su- sweet weeks. You're going to get some bottom weeks. He was not worth a second round pick. I still think he can get there as a round three pick. Just even this thing out for the rest of the season. But going back to the top of the show. Which round two wide receivers were worth round two right. draft capital at this point? And, and and when we were doing our ESPN shows, like the videos for those, he was like a fourth, a fifth round right. pick. So I think at that point, like, and he just got 122 yards last week. We talked about it at least, and I'm going to go on the spiel again. And you know, weeks what three and four, there was inches away from touchdowns. And anyways, I was hoping there's going to be a level of shallow and intermediate targets that we're going to be a little bit yeah, more reliable. We have not gotten those. So I will yeah. take my L with that. Um, but we'll keep refreshing. I, th- I think big games are coming for him. Kansas city chiefs, three straight weeks of mentioning Rasheed rice has paid off. I will say he two weeks ago ran 52% of routes, then down to 23%. Then this past weekend, 50%. And to me, it goes back to the conversation that we were having of, Hey, progression is not linear. It doesn't mean we're just going to stack 52, 
then 57, then 63, so on and so forth. What we are seeing with Rasheed Rice is that he's been working the slot a lot. He presses up field. He leans against cornerbacks or safeties. He cuts off of that, and he wins after the catch, and he's by far and away this team's best yards after catch player to me. I mean, there's a difference with him when he's on hooks or curls, and then he turns immediately up the field and eats up some yardage. So I don't know. Even with the Justin Watson injury, if this is going to make any of these wide receivers a 70 to 80% snap count player like we see across many other teams throughout the league. But I think what we can say is that Rasheed Rice, as we have been saying, uh, brings something different to the table than any of the other pass catchers in this grouping. I'm right there with you. They just need to play Rasheed Rice full time. Like, what are we doing here? Like, Justin Watson seems like he's going to be week to week with like a dislocated elbow. Um, Kadarius Tony stuck in his own role. Sky Moore can't buy a target right now. So MVS led the team with 34 routes last week. Then it was Rice. Why don't we just get Rice up to 30, 40 targets or 30 to 40 routes per game and get this thing moving? He is already on the part-time usage, the wide receiver 51 um, over the last month. So I think that this is a week to be considering putting Rice into your flex spot as we get into bye weeks and all that type of stuff as well. We finally had a Chiefs wide receiver to break that 10 expected fantasy points in a single game. And it was Kadarius Tony <laughs> <laughs> who finished with, I think six yards on like six targets, but did find the end zone. Shout out to Isaiah Pacheco, by the way, yes. first two weeks, it was about seven and a half fantasy points. The last four weeks, 15, 23, 13, 13. Uh, he has found stability in a backfield over the last two years that kind of lacked stability which is a great feeling i think for people who drafted him yeah last month wider or running back seven on running back eight usage locked and loaded los angeles chargers so quentin johnson played on only 34 of 72 offensive snaps only earned two targets and got zero receptions off of them including the game ending interception it is so clear that it's either Kellen Moore or Justin Herbert or these guys do not have trust in him as a player right now and at least comparable to the trust they have in Key now, which is sky high. And even Josh Palmer was this close to having a much bigger day and had that touchdown called back due to an illegal man downfield penalty that didn't cause anything on his touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, just Josh Palmer is just way better than Quinton Johnson. Like. That's that's a reality. Um, not a surprise to me. Quentin Johnson was like a trade space player that needed a lot of work. And I thought the ways that he won in college just were not going to translate necessarily. Um, he gets he invites contact in his route, and that's what kind of happened on that last one as well. Meanwhile, Josh Palmer, 10.2 expected half PPR points. He's already the wide receiver 31 over the last month. So that's two games with Mike, two games without. I do think that Josh Palmer in a 10-person league is a every week starter. Um, but I'm expecting uh, Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen to really start going crazy once they get a little healthier. And to me, it wasn't his throwing hand with the, the dislocated finger, but I do think that you can still have some issues and a lot of those throws that Justin Herbert was missing last week. I do think you can partly contribute to that finger injury is probably the worst game I've seen Justin Herbert play. Just how many misses downfield he had, um, I don't think that's a coincidence. Obviously, we have some rookie wide receivers doing great things out there. We have Puka Nakua. 
Um, we have Zay Flowers. I'll even throw in Jordan Addison, who we'll get in here to a moment in that grouping. Of that next, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Rasheed Rice, Quentin Johnston. Is QJ easily the last of that group? Like, is he yeah. even worth a stash? He's like Traylon Burks to me. I think that's a very valid comparison. I do want to throw out some mentions, though. Like, what we and they're very different players. What we think of Amon Ross St. Brown right now, that didn't really happen until the final six weeks of his rookie year, right? Mm-hmm. Christian Watson went nuclear in a six week span last season. Um, I think the differences with those two teams is they did not have an alpha commanding presence like Keenan Allen on the opposite end of that. And Keenan Allen is running all the CD lamb stuff that we saw last year that equaled the 13 point, whatever fancy points that you mentioned under, under Kellen Moore mm-hmm. with the Cowboys. So at best, Quentin Johnson was going to be the second pass catcher on this team. Heck, maybe even third behind Austin Eckler. And he just had to, you know, smooth out the edges of his game. And we haven't seen any of that so far. I'm, I'm just amazed that we haven't even seen like a real vertical shot to him that like is close to connecting so far or even that has connected so far because that was his game in my mind where he was going to help while everyone else believed that he was a yards after catch threat. You still have to get off press coverage, though. You know, that's yes. just work in progress. Work in progress. Miami Dolphins next. Oh, yes. Okay. Top three running back the next three weeks, Raheem Mostert? I mean, if Christian McCaffrey's banged up, like, why isn't he the RB1 next week? He season high, uh, 22 expected half PPR points without him, and he's been absolutely dunking on models since then. They're going to be projected for a million points every single week his tape i mean my goodness this guy was breaking off huge explosive plays every single time he's breaking legit tackles he's hurtling dudes now he's getting goal line opportunities he's getting ppr catches it's everything and then you have this play where all of a sudden now you have lead blockers it's so much misdirection it's the most absurd offense i've ever seen my entire life so (laughs) it's i mean it's it's a joy to watch what is this what is this run yeah, when when did four two nine Raheem Mostert start also breaking tackle after tackle after tackle? I mean, it's it's pretty amazing, man. Um, it's silly. Jeff it really Wilson might come back. Uh, Solomon Ahmed was the number two. Chris Brooks had a pretty severe injury. It looked like uh, Jeff Wilson probably going to be back in this game. I trust Jeff Wilson way more than Solomon Ahmed. Ahmed got home because of a garbage time touchdown, which you do earn in this offense because you're always beating teams by a million. So I do think that Jeff Wilson is somebody that you should be picking up but i mean what i mean what are we even doing here he looks like the best running back in the league <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so amazing it is so jarring watching this team and then watching anybody else <laughs> anybody else <laughs> like just turning on the all 22 or the end zone angles and you just see these guys moving in different yeah. speeds and pre-snap and then you turn on another normal team and you're like am i at 0.75 x right now it it's a I think we will look back on this offense as an offense that is literally changing the entire NFL, just how much misdirection and motion and how they're using the motion. It was funny to watch Tyreek Hill run the the quick cheat motions. And then you saw like Keenan Allen doing it and on Monday football. And it's just like, it just doesn't hit the same. I love Keenan Allen. It just doesn't hit the same. And I'm sure all of you sit at home and ask like, Hey, why can't my team run that play? It is amazing to me how they are able to master the timing of it all within one week, because these are normal plays that people run, but everything is in sync and snap perfectly. And then Tua is kind of pulling the strings on it in terms of rotating and flipping and letting it go at the exact right time. 
And these are, you know, different versions of the same play that we see on a weekly basis from them, but they're, you know, the, the eye candy is all different and that's the yeah. timing and being able to figure that out in a five day span and master it in that yeah. short of a time. That's, that's amazing. There was a fun wrinkle where Barrios was doing the quick motion. So it, it's throwing off the, the coverage rules and then Tyreek Hill was the guy that was sitting in it and he just kind of sat in the zone. So while they were all worried about the, what they're supposed to do and sit, now they're putting Braxton Barrios in it. So Tyreek, Kids underneath. Uh, just this is a fantasy football show. We don't really truly care about this stuff, but would it be crazy if Tyreek Hill is the MVP? Like through through, through six oh. weeks right now, like I want to say Josh Allen and Mahomes and stuff, but this offense is averaging way more points and way more yards than any other team ever. And I think Tyreek Hill would be my vote for MVP right now. Okay, all of this positivity. Can I throw out a little pessimism here on the Miami okay. Dolphins? They haven't played anyone other than the Buffalo Bills, and they lost by 28 in that game. Mm -hmm. Okay. They beat the Chargers, the Patriots, the Broncos, the Giants, and the Panthers. Mm -hmm. Literally haven't played anyone, right? Mm -hmm. They played the Bills and lost by 28. We get the Philadelphia Eagles this next week. Patriots after that. They beat by seven points, but that this time it's at home. And then the Chiefs after that. So, like, these next two of the next three games, I think, tell us a lot about the Dolphins, too. Yeah, completely agree. Um, some positive signs for Jalen Waddle: the last two games, thirteen point seven and thirteen point nine expected half PPR points. He's now up to the wide receiver fourteen in usage over the last month. I do think that he gets a little bit more involved when you're removing the second elite running back from the offense. And I agree with the statement that you made that they wanted to get him involved pretty early on in like the last two weeks, and especially Screens. this week. I guess my concern is like, what if the game plan heading into it isn't hey, let's get Jalen Waddle involved. And then to me, he does fit as the third partner of the Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. then the running game, mm-hmm. and then Jalen Waddle. There will be a game where we'll be reminded that Jalen Waddle could run the ball 98 yards before you even know it. So I'm waiting for that too. Totally fair. Okay, Minnesota Vikings. So we get our first run of KG Osborne and Jordan Addison being these teams starting wide receivers from like a point scored standpoint. It certainly wasn't the case that things were great for the Vikings here against a bears defense that we want to target hot take. I watched all of Jordan Addison's routes against press coverage. I thought he looked good. Yeah. I I think that Jordan Addison's going to figure this thing out. Now just quickly, uh, just a tail in that comment. Yeah. There is a spectrum of the player that Jordan Addison is on in terms of being not a alpha size player um, and more of like a route manipulator route runner. And probably the top end of that spectrum is Calvin Ridley. And let's say the bottom of that spectrum is like Jerry Judy, Mm -hmm. which let's not talk about that. Um, My point being Jordan Addison, despite being a round one draft capital and round one wide receiver is not Garrett Wilson. He is not Jamar chase. He is not one of these prototypical build the passing game around 10 options. And this is why he was going to be the second wide receiver on the Minnesota Vikings. So I think like our expectations for him should be framed around that mm-hmm. rather than, oh, can he now be a 12 target a week guy? I still think he can because Kirk Cousins in this offense gets so out of whack and it's just all pass, pass, pass. Um, so I do think we can still get that with Jordan Addison, but I agree with you. He, he should be a good number, a really strong number two wide receiver that could 
be a number one wide receiver when you guess need him, but he's not going to be dunking on people. Um, in the two games with Justin Jefferson, uh, sidelined Jordan Addison, 11.1 expected fantasy points, which is strong, like wide receiver two, three numbers, KJ Osborne up to 9.2. So he's on the radar. Uh, TJ Hawkinson over eight targets or eight or more targets in five of the six games. He's just going to be the check down guy because Jordan Addison does win a little bit more downfield. And there are some frustrated people who drafted Jordan Addison and now like put in their lineup and all that stuff. I do want to remind you who is around right now. Um, he has 10 and a half fancy points per game this season. That includes a zero in one contest, right? Who are these people mad at Jordan Addison? That is, uh, trust me, I get it a lot. Why did you suggest we start Jordan Addison? Um, that is exactly the same as Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddle, Chris Olave, Calvin Ridley, Debo Samuel. Like all these guys were drafted above, if not way above than Jordan Addison. So like, take it. This is the volatility of this wide receiver two and wide receiver three position. Sorry. Yep. Uh, I'm not even comment on the Jordan Addison naysayers. That's absurd. Um, anyways, with Alexander Madison, it was weird. Last week, Cam Akers comes out with a season low in usage and Alexander Madison's back up to 78% snaps. So I think they're going to be trying to figure out who's legitimately better than the other. It's not exactly the most exciting race. Speaking of not exciting races, knowing Ooh. the Patriots are next. Hey, both running backs scored a touchdown. And Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I think producer Weaves pulled the Ramondre and Zeke film. And I looked at that and I was like, why do we want to spend more than one minute on the New England Patriots this week? Yeah, um, I'm with you with that. At least Ramondre did get a goal line look. It is kind of going back and forth when they are using each back. Zeke Elliott also got the goal line touchdown. Also had what, like a 65-yard run? Screen, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Tony Pollard, where are you at? I don't see you doing that very often this year. Um, yeah, it's it's an absolute mess over there. Um, I, I don't know what to say. Kendrick Bourne was the like kind of manufactured touch player. Ramondre Stevenson got there because Ramondre's still like on on the highlight tape that he pulled up. He still does kind of exciting things for a big guy um, as a receiver, but it's. It's whatever. It's the Patriots. It's not. It's not a lot of good ball being played over there. Uh, I I do believe that Kendrick Bourne is back in there as like a wide receiver is getting a bunch of opportunity. And yes. by the way, that comment on Weaves that just shows the work ethic. This guy's a monster. A fortitude that Weaves puts into this show, right? That I don't think anyone else is going to show you a highlight tape of Ramondre Stevenson this week. That wasn't a diss. That was praise that I was sending in Weaves' direction. So shout out to him. And Weaves comments. doesn't miss. Weaves he does miss. not miss. Never. Ever. Okay, New Orleans Saints. So Derek Carr has attempted 10 more throws than any other quarterback, 20-plus yards down the field at 39 already. That's some vanilla saucer for you. But, Hayden, he is 28th in completion percentage on those attempts at 31%. And I think how this game closed last week against the Houston Texans is like a prime example of it where – like all four weren't even in the vicinity of pass catchers and like two or three of them were totally out of bounds. Yeah. Chris Olave, it's just like so hit and miss because he's such a downfield guy. He's actually second in deep targets, 15 plus more yards downfield. He's just barely missing. There's some that's going off of his fingertips. There's some absolutely brutal throws uh, as well. So 
this this offense seems like they're just trying to feel things out. Their offensive line right now going into Thursday night football is an absolute mess due to injuries. And we just talked about on the recap show, Josh Allen is really starting to play over there. So that is a slight concern. Uh, Chris Olave just needs to win some of these deep targets to get fully back in the mix. The yards have been there. He just doesn't get the red zone opportunities that other like true number one wide receivers get in the offense. Uh, do we want to say anything about Taysom Hill or is this just like a one of a kind performance that like, I mean, people are starving for tight end, sir. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll write it up in the tight end ranking show. How about that? Yeah. I think, I think that's the right appropriate way to do this. To be honest, I didn't even go back and watch Taysom Hill's targets because I wanted to eject it from my memory. New York giants, your boy, Jalen Hyatt played 80% of snaps this past weekend. Hayden, uh, it's rough stuff for the Giants overall. We're trying to pull some strings here and look at positives. But again, wide receivers to stash, they have gone away from the Paris Campbell, the Isaiah Hodgins of the worlds. And it looks like it is now Darius Slayton, Wandale Robinson, and Jalen Hyatt out there. It is. Um, I'm not sure if there's going to be a true winner in that. You, if you want a PPR scam, you go one Wandale Robinson. If you want to have some fun, you can go Jalen Hyatt, I guess. Uh, my main note was Saquon Barkley came back and immediately had monster usage. Now, he wasn't moving the same. The offensive line remains bad and very injured. Hopefully, Daniel Jones is back. Hopefully, they get some of these offensive linemen back. Hopefully, Saquon's high ankle sprain does not linger because the usage is at least there for him. And then Darren Waller, 13.6 and 10.6 expected half PPR points in the last two games. That's better than it was before that we just need like functional offense before we can actually start buying into the at least we have a, a answers to the test on who's going to be on the field right I, I guess my point is and sure at this point you are starting darren waller each week even though he's you know giving you two weeks of over 10 fantasy points but there are f i was gonna say four are there just three tight ends that matter on a weekly basis like that we know matter on a weekly basis and travis kelsey sam laporta and mark andrews then there's that chunk that you hope matter in TJ Hawkinson, Evan Ingram, Dallas Goddard, Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts. But like at this point, I can't point to Darren Waller emerging into that top three of like, oh, yeah, easily play him no matter what. Yeah, this chart shows you this is why you want to speed through the tight end rankings every single week when we uh, do those on Thursday. It's like, oh, they're all of them right next to each other. Who's scoring a touchdown? New York Jets. Brees Hall, third round pick, is going to pay off. Uh, what we Ooh. are getting from Brees Hall now is electricity. And I think he looks nearly back to his previous status. Any optimism that I gave Brees Hall this summer, I'm like shouting out the comments today, was met with, uh, well, the only running backs off of ACLs to play well were Adrian Peterson and Jamal Charles. Um, to me, we can already add Brees Hall to that status, even if he doesn't hit 1,000 yards this year because – he would have if it was with Aaron Rodgers, and I bet he does hit a thousand yards this year. Like this is all now. I think Dalvin Cook only getting ten opportunities over the last two weeks, and this is a superstar offense now. When it's Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall, and they've actually changed the way that you know they are allowing Zach Wilson to operate in just enough league average level in terms of pace, in terms of pass rate, and those types of things. And I think that's going to pay off enough for us with Hall and Wilson. Brees, 19.1, 13.1 expected half PPR points as the starter. That gets you 
fired up. And like you said, with the offense, they're at least giving Zach Wilson a chance. Last week was a season high in neutral pass rate up to 62%. Uh, those are good signs for both Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. The consistency, I don't think is going to be there necessarily because they're also dealing with the offensive line injuries but they're at least giving this offense a chance. And I'm with you. Brees Hall's explosiveness is, I would say, 98% of the way there. The agility, I would say, is like 80% there. And that's all he needs to really move the needle at running back. Yeah, I mean, there have been four games this season where he has 10-plus touches in a contest. And in those games, Hayden, uh, Brees Hall is at 15.2, 8.4, 27, and 18 fancy points. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a beast. He is a beast. Philadelphia Eagles. It feels different this year. Like, that's an obvious statement, but, like, the elements of this offense just aren't working as well. I think the out-of-pocket stuff from Jalen Hurts is worse. The RPOs and the screens are worse. Obviously, they tried to just lean on the opposition last week of their running game, and it wasn't working with DeAndre Swift either. Um, To me, it is a ship that can get righted, but to reactively discuss what we mentioned this offseason it wasn't as simple as pulling the fourth quarter lever uh things go wrong even when you bring back everyone yeah i mean i think the only actual loser though in fantasy has been Devonte smith like jalen hurts is still top three aj brown's going crazy dallas goddard's been popping up for big games dallas Goddard's actually the tight end two in route so like to me, it's just like Devontae Smith, his deep targets aside from... But even Devontae Smith last week got 10 targets, went mm-hmm. 5 for 44, and right. it should have been, you know, 6 for 82. Yes. yes. The, yeah, that, that was more... I guess my, my point is that only one guy has been left behind versus what we were expecting in this offense. Um, and he's such a good player. You like to think that he would bounce back. But um, I'm pulling up the first read. Uh, charting again and like look AJ Brown is way up there so there's a huge difference between him and Devontae Smith right down here in the middle so that's been the difference and Devontae Smith he's been targeted downfield more often as well so some of the layups just not the same uh, for Devontae Smith and I guess my opening point was more about actual NFL success you know Mm -hmm. actual team success and yes yes, they lost lane johnson they didn't have their starting right guard either but it just looks differently than hey we can beat the opposition with our running game and if that doesn't work then our screens and rpos if that doesn't work then we have these single high coverages and deep shots to aj brown and Devontae Smith. yeah jalen's just been a little bit more flustered than you would have thought based off of the playoff run that he went there's some really egregious decisions last game pittsburgh steelers they are coming out of a bye week Sounds like your boy Deontay Johnson is returning to the field. So what do you want to see from them? I'm not sure if I want to see them on the field, to be honest. Uh, yeah, Fryermuth and Deontay with George Pickens, I guess we can get a post by rookie bump for another young offense. Um, but yeah, we're starting from like ground zero right here. So George Pickens, I thought did fine without Deontay, but I do think that Deontay's gets the first read looks more of the underneath looks that Matt Canada loves to throw. And then it's just going to be hard to find consistent production unless Kenny Pickett looks severely better. But I think Kenny Pickett's issues was he started seeing ghosts and his feet were going a little bit too crazy inside the pocket. 
And I'm not sure if a bye week solves that issue. You either have that or you don't. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Rashad White's snaps did not alter that much. He still played 80% of the snaps compared to Keyshawn Vaughn's 20%. But if you look at the rush attempts, Rashad White's dropped down from 50 to 54%. Meanwhile, Keyshawn Vaughn's went up to 46%. So talk to me. Uh, does this make Rashad White obviously less of a volume sponge? And does it those still keep him in the running back 13 to 24 territory? Yeah, I think 24, I would sneak him in there. But Keyshawn Vaughn, it was not garbage time. He was getting run in the first, second, and third quarter of the game. Um, yeah, he's he's not a huge difference maker. So any usage that he loses is a big deal. Um, and it's just shocking that like Keyshawn Vaughn is the one stealing usage. Like this, right. this front office has known what Keyshawn Vaughn is for a very long time. The fact that they're moving him in is not a good sign for Rashad White. And I believe the coaching staff went out there and says, hey, we need to get more from our running game. And then the pivot was over to uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. Just quickly, we've talked about it a lot. This team was running so hot on third downs. This team was running so hot against pressure, like league high rates in both. And even if you drop down to average, which I think the offensive line is still playing at a super high level, like much better than I was expecting it to, despite it being reshuffled. Um, that... That will change the outcome of a lot of this. Now, do I think it's going to change, you know, Mike Evans and make him irrelevant? No. Chris Godwin irrelevant? No. But to one of these pieces, and it probably is the running backs, yes. And then over the next two weeks for the Bucks, it's the uh, Atlanta Falcons and then the Buffalo Bills. And the Houston Texans after that. So, like, those are three feisty, fiery defenses you mm -hmm. face. I so, agree. I, I, I am a little nervous. I guess my point is we've seen the best of the Buccaneers already. But, again. I'm a Baker hater after watching. <laughs> Tennessee Titans. Apparently we have Derrick Henry film up and loaded. Talk to me. What do you want to say about Derrick Henry? Um, I don't have a lot to say about Derrick Henry. The, as a team, they're 29th. There's all weaves. Uh, as a team, they're 29th in running back usage. Derrick Henry's now down to the RB 27 over the last month. The big thing is just Ryan Tannehill. If he's out, like, I mean, what are we even doing here? Just to put this in perspective, Malik Willis, if that is who they go with since the beginning of 2022, he's 58th out of 60 quarterbacks in completion percentage over expected. And he wants to scramble around two. He took like five sacks and like 10 well, drop four sacks and 12 dropbacks quickly, oh. though. Last year, he should not have played an NFL game. Like, it was egregious that they put him on an NFL field. And this is why they brought in Josh Dobbs, who was much better. I will say Malik Willis did look better during preseason action. Not that that matters now. Like that was preseason. Here we are. He was at least could see the middle of the field, which is last season. He could not. It was a canyon. Yes. Question. Knowing what we know about Malik Willis, do you think that there is a chance that we see Will Levis? Or is this just like, hey, we know how bad our offensive line is. We're still trying to rotate these pieces. Mm -hmm. And whatever Will Levis – like – what they have seen from Oleva shows them that he's their quarterback three. Yeah, that's not that's that's concerning. Yes, uh, that's what I mean. For, for somebody that was mocked second overall for most of uh, the pre-draft process. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot of faith in either one of these quarterbacks. And right. DeAndre Hopkins was more or less not getting home with Ryan Tannehill. Just as a reminder, it's a brand new GM who 
I think is trying to build a long-term foundation here. And they have a bunch of players that they can be selling at the deadline. So that's just something to monitor. I think the Titans should be realistic where they are versus the Texans uh, and the Jaguars. Um, I believe I saw this circling, so maybe the fact is wrong. But in the A.J. Brown trade, that ended up being Traylon Burks and Malik Willis for the draft compensation for A.J. Brown. Is that good? And then how much more – and I should look this up. How much – I'm sure it's a, a, a fair amount. More is AJ Brown making this year than like DeAndre Hopkins. I understand it's different general managers and things, but you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah, why why didn't why didn't John Robinson just freaking pay AJ Brown? I think it might have been the owner. There were some weird things going on there. It's better when the when you don't even know the owner's name. That's usually a good sign. <laughs> Talking to you, Carolina Panthers. The uh, Paul that's David. Yeah, Tennessee Titans uh, face the Atlanta Falcons, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, in their next three games. So. We'll see what happens, man. Um, you can easily. I, I just want to see like Traylon on. Like, I don't know what they have in anything. Like, I know, I actually know that Tajay Spears is good, right? Yes. But it's a one year rental for DeAndre Hopkins. And so, Derrick Henry, it's so clear that this is the end of the line for him because of where they are right now with game script and offensive line standpoint. But like, I want to see what we have with Traylon Burks moving forward in his career. Yeah, I would like to see DeAndre, Derrick Henry traded, and then you get Traylon and Tajay in there and see if you have foundational members going into the next offseason. Let's close with the uh, Washington Commanders. You know I love Brian Robinson. You know I love him. Mm-hmm. I think this might be the window to potentially trade him in your league. Just because you're over the volatility in game scripts, or what do you think it was? So... What we've gotten is fancy points that I think really spike Brian Robinson early this season. You know, 13, 28, then we had a 7, then we had a 12-pointer. I'm just afraid of what this Washington Commanders team is right now, that maybe we have seen the best of them as a team from a neutral and positive game script standpoint, that the rest of the way it can get a bit dicey, especially when your quarterback is on pace for – like 94 sacks this year. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I think I said to trade Brian Robinson like three weeks ago. Yeah. We'll roll that. We'll roll that clip. So, okay. Question just to give the people out there. I mean, obviously you're trading Brian Robinson straight up for Brees Hall. If someone will do that in your league, right? Yes. Yes, Um, Straight up for Isaiah Pacheco. Yes. Um, I'm just looking around. Would you do it for like Aaron Jones? Who's coming off an injury? Oh my goodness. Uh, I think I'd rather have B Rob. Okay. After that, I'm not. I'm not going further down this list. I'm not doing yeah. like Ramondre or Alexander Madison or James Cook or any of those guys. That's for sure. Yeah, um, we got other notes. Logan Thomas. We got rug pulled. Uh, season low in in usage. Uh, what that was a true what can go wrong situation following that trend. This was still out there for 78 percent of the snaps, and then Terry McLaurin separated from the rest of these wide receivers. I don't know what the hell is going on with Jahan Dotson. I, I remember I was looking today. It was like yards per route run. I was looking up for Quentin Johnson, who was like third worst in the NFL. And like Jahan Dotson was like last. I was like, what? What happened? Yeah. I don't know. We're don't not know, smart man. enough. Our brains are too small for that. Do you know what it might be? Is a, a Even though his rookie season was much better than this guy's, it, this could easily turn into a Nico Collins-like situation where okay. yeah. a good quarterback. quarterback comes yeah. in and uh, – 
you actually get to see the talent come into fruition. Like we saw it last year. A lot of that was touchdown volatility and red zone mm-hmm. usage and, and those types of things. But you and I watched the tape. We hit the lab this summer and we're like, holy crap, Jahan Dotson can run some routes and create separation. But sometimes like your environment kind of just dictates that. And yep. like, look, for fantasy, Sam Howell's a fun player. He's a fun player to watch in a highs and lows roller coaster type style. But as we have talked about, when you take sacks, the likelihood of the drive ending in points tanks, mm-hmm. tanks. And this dude is on pace to set NFL records by a mile in sacks taken this year. It's not good. Not good. All right. Hayden wants to get out of here. So does Weaves. Weaves wants to go watch some more uh, like Latavius Murray tape or something. <laughs> All right. All of you, we appreciate you. Again, later on this week, we're going to have an episode of Scheme focusing on Ben Johnson, how he's dissecting, manipulating some of the best defensive coordinators in the league out there. I'll give you a hint. It's all about the play clock this week against Todd Bowles' exotic coverages. It was very, very cool stuff that Colt McCoy put out there. And then we've got our tiers and rankings for every single position popping off on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week, too. I'm hoping we can get to 90,000 subs somewhere around November 1 to Thanksgiving. So if you guys are still out here and unsubscribed, that'll be very appreciated. We're trying to get 100K by the Super Bowl or sometime around that. Do your part if you are still with us an hour yeah. 45 in. Uh, Hayden and I are contractually obligated to n- not go on vacation until we hit 100,000 subscribers. Please let me go to a beach. Please. Come my way. I mean, I'm going to like Jamaica or something, not the opposite direction. Get away from me. (laughs) All right. Thank you all for tuning in. Up the bell. We'll talk to you all soon. See ya.